Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. The Catholic understanding, based upon our reading of Scripture, Chuck, is that the salvation that you're talking about, of entering into the beatific vision, what is the condition for that? Well, based upon our Lord's teaching in John 3 3 through 5, we got to be born again. So there's some life that we didn't receive in our first birth that we got to receive with this new birth, the supernatural birth. It's going to be supernatural life. We call that grace, sanctifying grace to be more specific. That's what we need in our soul in order to enter into heaven finally at the end of our lives. That's Carlo Broussard of Catholic Answers. He's talking there about sanctifying grace. It sounds plausible. It sounds reasonable. Is it biblical? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Our series, Responding to Roman Catholic Proof Text, continues. Today we're going to talk about sanctifying grace. Dr. Stephen Parks joins us. He's Associate Professor of Theology and Philosophy at Concordia University, Irvine, California. Stephen, welcome back. Todd, thank you so much for having me again. Great to be with you. What Broussard there, on the face of it, sounds plausible and and reasonable. Basically, what's wrong with what he said? Well, to kind of cut right to the heart of the matter, think about real estate, right? Within real estate, they always say when you're looking for a house, the most important things to consider are location, location, location. And when we're talking about grace, when it comes to the article of justification, the question that we need to ask is location, location, location. Where is this grace to be found? What the Roman Catholics teach is that this grace is to be found in our soul, which means that it's something inside of us. And that as a result of that, there is a basis for being justified that is inside of us. Whereas both the scriptures and the Lutheran Reformation taught that concerning the article of justification, grace is outside of us. It's something akin to God's mercy. The way that they defined it was the favor of God toward man because of Christ. We might just say simply God's undeserved kindness so that the cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his son to live and die and rise again for us. Where does this notion of sanctifying grace, that grace that's somehow located in us, where does this come from in Roman Catholic teaching? Well, historically, if we were to kind of find where we where we really begin to find its clear beginnings, we would look to Augustine all the way back in the 5th century. In his debate with Pelagius, who at the time was teaching that human beings were able to convert themselves without any help from God and justify themselves without any help from God. Augustine was emphasizing that it was necessary that God be the primary actor and that God be at work. And in order to do that, Augustine emphasized what God does within us in order to be able to cause us to have faith, which is to say to give us the gift of faith and to continue to be at work within us, even after we have faith, to be able to strengthen that faith and preserve that faith. 
And Augustine spoke about God working in that way as infusing grace into our soul. And again, we can understand perhaps why Augustine began to stress those things in the face of Pelagius. And if we just look at what the word grace means all by itself, it can sometimes mean something like what the Catholics argue, sort of a a gift that is given to you because of the goodwill of the giver, in this case, God. But it can also mean something that is akin to, as we said, the undeserved kindness or the mercy of God. So what we have to do is look closely at the scriptures in order to find out in the article of justification, which way is this word being used? Chemnitz has a really good way of saying this in his examination of the Council of Trent. He says this, the word grace in scripture often means favor, goodwill, or mercy. Sometimes, indeed, it also means the gifts which are conferred from goodwill. However, the question is what in particular the term grace means in those passages in which Paul argues that we're justified freely through the grace of God. So that's really what was at stake in the Reformation, and that continues to be at what's stake in the debates between classical Catholicism and classical Lutheranism today. How does it fit into the greater notion of a Roman Catholic scheme of salvation. Yeah, we really need to kind of nail that down. So the way that the Catechism of the Catholic Church speaks about this in paragraph 2000 is it says, sanctifying grace is a habitual gift, a stable and supernatural disposition that perfects the soul itself to enable it to live with God and to act by his love. So here's kind of the, the Catholic view of justification in a nutshell. In order to get into heaven, you have to be perfect. But human beings are sinful and therefore unable to be perfect. So Christ dies in order to merit grace for us. And for the Catholic, grace, specifically sanctifying grace, is this habitual gift, which means it's something that God infuses into us. He places inside of us and it transforms us or it changes us on the inside from being a sinner into a saint, from being unholy into being holy, from being unrighteous into being righteous so that now because we have grace in our soul we're able to do things that we weren't able to do which is to be able to perform works which ultimately merit salvation now most people don't get to perfection in this life the catholics argue and so that's why you have a stopover for those who die in a state of grace to be able to stop in purgatory where that perfection is brought to its completeness before you're ever able to enter into heaven. So what grace more or less is, to put it in a way that listeners might be able to understand according to Catholicism, is it's a helping power which gives you the ability to do things you couldn't do before, especially meriting heaven, meriting salvation. Let's just go point by point. What's the danger of locating grace in us? So the danger of locating grace in us is, uh, well, we could probably bring up different things. Number one, obviously, it contradicts Scripture when it comes to the article on justification. And we never want to go with anything that contradicts Scripture. So that's primary. In addition to that, though, there's a very good reason why Scripture speaks in the way that it does. And that is it never wants us to be able to build our hope or to build our salvation upon ourselves because we're not the cause of it. Only one person gains God's grace and favor for us. Only one person wins for us salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Only one person defeats the powers of sin and death and the devil for us, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So whenever Scripture locates the cause of our salvation, it locates it outside of us in the person and in the work of Jesus. When Scripture speaks about how we're connected to that person and work, it speaks about faith. And faith in and of itself isn't even really something that resides inside of us in the way that we might say that like our heart or our lungs do. But faith is is merely the apprehension of something. It's trusting or believing that what Christ has done is enough in order to save even a sinner like me. So faith is intended to be a bit like humility. Humility is never supposed to look to itself. It isn't supposed to sit around and think about how humble being humble is, because when you do that, you've destroyed the entire purpose of humility. In a similar way, faith always looks outside of itself to Christ, because Christ is the cause of our salvation. Christ is the one who gains it for us, secures it for us, and works it, not ourselves. So it's never to be located within us. Talk about the distinction that we need to maintain based upon scriptural teaching between justification, what you've been discussing here, and sanctification. Yeah, so within the the Lutheran Reformation, we have never denied that God works within us. And we don't do that because Scripture never denies that God works within us. What we do maintain is that when it comes to the article concerning justification, the why of God forgiving our sins, it always roots it and grounds it outside of us in the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. However, once we have been reconciled to God through Christ, and once we have been given the gift of faith to trust in him, God unites himself to us in a supernatural and a, and a mysterious way. We speak about this in theology as what we call the mystical union, where God is actually and truly united to the soul and that he works within us in such a way as to, we sometimes say sanctify or we sometimes say renovate, but the idea is that the Holy Spirit is at work within us in order to conform us into the image of Jesus. And just as Jesus delighted in doing the will of the Father, so too the Spirit works within us that disposition such that we begin to delight also in the will of the Father. The problem is, even though the Spirit is at work in us throughout our entire lives, because of the sinful nature that we have, that work is never completed in this life. It begins, and it ought to continue, and it ought to mature and grow, but it isn't completed. And as a result of that, we can't build our hope of salvation upon even our sanctification, Because in our sanctification, again, that's an imperfect work. It's not something that is wholly and completely finished. And when it comes to our salvation, it is built on something that is wholly and completely finished, namely the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who finishes his work and then sits down at the right hand of the Father so that that work is not D-O, do, but instead the work of justification is D-O-N-E, done. Dr. Stephen Parks is our guest. It's our series Responding to Roman Catholic Proof Text today, Sanctifying Grace. When we return, what's the danger of confusing justification and sanctification? Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider 
hit the subscription button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find issues, etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Making Disciples for Life. Across the nation, students are back in school in over 1,800 schools serving children in early childhood through high school. Students are thriving in programs of excellence in a safe, caring Christian environment taught by dedicated teachers. To find a school in your community, visit lcms.org schools. Connect today for information about a Lutheran school for the children in your family at lcms.org schools. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The Schools Division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. It's our series on responding to Roman Catholic proof text. Today we're talking about sanctifying grace with Dr. Stephen Parks, Associate Professor of Theology and Philosophy at Concordia University, Irvine, California. Dr. Parks, what is the danger of confusing justification and sanctification? Well, the real danger is ultimately saying that there's something good within us, and that becomes the basis on which we're justified. When we look at Scripture and the way in which it speaks about being justified by God's grace, it actually always removes from us the possibility of crediting ourselves with salvation. So that grace is always, for example, pictured in opposition to works. So in Romans 11, Paul, speaking of our salvation, says that if it's by grace, then it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Or in the famous passage in Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And when we look at those texts that speak about what grace is, and we look at the comparable words that are being used, we find that they're not things that root and ground the cause of our salvation in us, but instead they're things that root and ground the cause of salvation within God. So Titus 3, for example, says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So look at the the similar words that are being used here. Goodness, loving kindness, mercy. These are all things in God 
and not in us. And the same with the passages leading up to that famous passage in Ephesians that I just read, where Paul writes, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him at the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So again, we see these words like mercy and great love and kindness, these being the things ultimately that we find the cause of our salvation in. I think kind of a a definitive text, if we were really to look for one, which demonstrates that the cause of our salvation is not to be found within us, is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where the apostle writes this, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us by a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So this gospel by which we are saved this one that excludes our works but instead is rooted and grounded in grace, was something that was given to us in terms of predestination, in terms of God's eternal purpose, given to us before the ages began by grace. So that demonstrates it can't be something within us because we didn't exist before the ages began. Only one did, and that's God. And thus, again, we see salvation being rooted in his mercy his loving kindness, the one who sends his son in order to bear our sin and to be our savior. That and that alone is the reason why God forgives our sins. So to come back to that bigger picture here, the biblical teaching on both justification and sanctification, while it acknowledges that sanctification is ongoing, there is progress that is made, never perfection. That does not leave the Christian in doubt of salvation because that is apart from one's salvation. But for the thoroughgoing Roman Catholic, their lack of perfection at the moment of death must leave them either in doubt of their salvation or certain that their time in purgatory will be long? Well, and unfortunately, that's about the best hope that one could depart this life with, so that not only is the average Roman Catholic perhaps in doubt concerning their state of grace. But there's a sense in which they must be in doubt because the Catholic Church teaches that you cannot know with certainty whether or not you're currently in a state of grace. You cannot know whether or not you have fulfilled the conditions that are necessary for justification. So you are and would be considered blessed and fortunate if, in fact, you could hope for perhaps a long time in purgatory or a shorter time in purgatory. That would be indeed, for the average Catholic, very good news since at least those who go to purgatory ultimately get into heaven. Now, compare and contrast that with the way in which Scripture speaks about the certainty of our salvation, as John says in 1 John 5, that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, how can a Christian know that they have eternal life. They can only know that if the hope isn't built upon that imperfect work of sanctification within us, but instead is built upon a perfect work that does not shift, that does not change, and that does not fail. And that is the working of our Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's only because of that that Paul can speak about the 
righteousness that he has inside of him not being the thing that saves him. So Philippians 3, for example, Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So when Paul speaks about how our salvation is gained for us, it's the work of Christ and the work of Christ alone, which is why over and over again he excludes boasting, for example, from salvation. So in Romans 3, he says, what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. In Romans 4, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. 1 Corinthians 1, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Ephesians 2, so that no one may boast. The idea is that we cannot boast because it doesn't have anything to do with us. It doesn't even have to do with a partnership of God working within us, but instead it has to do with Christ alone, which is why Paul could confidently proclaim in Galatians 6, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the place from which salvation comes, and that alone. We're talking then, it appears to me, about two fundamentally different definitions of the word grace. So how does Scripture define grace, and how then does the Roman Catholic, uh, if they adhere to their church's teaching, how do they define grace? So grace for the Roman Catholic would be a quality that is infused into the soul, which goes back to what we talked a little about before. This quality then transforms you on the inside. It changes you. And the result of that change is that you have what they call the infused virtues of faith and hope and love. And for the Catholic, the love is the preeminent part, the most important part, because it is by love that you are perfected, love for God and love for neighbor. So that now you have the ability to be able to love God, and you have the ability to be able to love your neighbor, which you didn't have before, and by those works of love, you merit an increase in your justification, and you merit ultimately eternal life and heaven. The way that Scripture speaks about grace, on the contrary, is to constantly emphasize that grace isn't in us, but that grace is in God so that it is akin to the undeserved kindness of God, similar to God's mercy. And the idea is that it was un his undeserved kindness and his undeserved mercy which moves him to send his son into the world to accomplish the work of salvation for mankind. So that because of Jesus having kept the law perfectly in our place, because of Jesus who died to take upon himself the penalty of sin in our place, and because of Jesus, who rose again victorious over the powers of sin and death and the devil, salvation now is freely offered again by the grace of God, his undeserved kindness, his mercy, and simply trusted in or received by faith. So that justification for the believer is an accomplished reality. It's not something that we strive to accomplish. We don't somehow try to get God to give us something but instead, everything that we do is prompted by the fact that God has already forgiven us freely in Christ. And Todd, this goes right back to what you were saying about sanctification, because what do we do in sanctification? We seek to serve our neighbor. 
And why do we do that? Well, we can serve our neighbor freely because we're not using our neighbor simply as targets of our good works so that we can merit salvation. But instead, we're freed by Christ to be able to love our neighbor so that we can serve them because they need to be served and because we love them, not in order to gain something from God, least of all, salvation and life everlasting. Dr. Stephen Parks is our guest. When we turn in our series on responding to Roman Catholic proof texts, I want to talk more about that instrumental use of our neighbor. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org, jkrause at M-E-L-H-S dot org. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Are you on the road to paradise in the southern Puget Sound area of western Washington, but looking for a traditional liturgical Lutheran congregation in classical Lutheran elementary school? Parkland Lutheran Church and School in Tacoma, a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, is the place to find our Savior's rest on Sunday mornings and Monday evenings. Visit our website at parklandlutheran.org for service times and downloadable sermons. Preaching, teaching, and distributing Christ and Him crucified every week. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's our series Responding to Roman Catholic Proof Text. We're talking about sanctifying grace with Dr. Stephen Parks. Stephen, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about something you mentioned just a moment ago, and that is, I would call it the instrumental use of our neighbor rather than serving the neighbor in love. It is serving him in order to procure something from God. So if one believes that we're justified, even in part, by our good works, then you need a target for your good works. And the target can't really be God because he doesn't need anything from you. He's not hungry. He's not thirsty. He's not homeless. He doesn't need a listening ear. He's not having a difficult time. He doesn't need your help. But your neighbor is in need of those things. And so the question ultimately comes down to one of motive. Why do we want to give our neighbors food and drink? Why do we want to house the homeless? Why do we want to be there to serve those who are in need? Well, from the perspective of Catholicism, if the idea is that you need a target of your good works in order to get into heaven, there's at least the danger that your neighbor simply becomes a means to an end, meaning you have to use your neighbor to do good works to get what you ultimately desire, which is heaven and life everlasting. So I got to feed somebody, might as well be 
Todd or I got to give somebody a cold glass of water. It might as well be Jeff or I got to put a roof over someone's head. It might as well be Craig or whatever it has. So I end up using you folks instead of the scriptural idea, which is because you're saved wholly and completely because of what Christ has done, because there's no price left to be paid for salvation and forgiveness. Now you're free to respond to that saving message of the gospel by genuinely loving your neighbor for the sake of the neighbor, loving them because they deserve to be loved and serving them out of a free heart and out of gratitude for everything that has been done freely for us in Christ so that we're not using the neighbor as a means to an end, but instead service of the neighbor is the end. That is the goal. I'm curious how in the Roman Catholic system the use of the sacraments plays into this system. Yeah, so within Catholicism, the, the use of the sacraments is absolutely key because it becomes a mechanism by which God infuses this grace into your soul. So the first of the sacraments that one would encounter would be baptism. And so in Catholicism, baptism is the means by which you are initially infused with that grace of God, which, again, in their theology means that now you're able to do things that you couldn't do previously, including merit an increase in justification and merit eternal life. Now, as one continues in life, unfortunately, they discover what we discover, which is we're sinful human beings and therefore we sin. And so when we sin, we lose grace in the Catholic understanding. And so you constantly are needing to be refilled or topped off with this grace. And for them, that's where the other six sacraments come in, which is these are other means by which God continues to refill you with his grace, enabling you constantly to be able to work in order to merit heaven. And again, kind of compare and contrast that to what Scripture teaches, which is the sacraments are means by which God freely gives to us the forgiveness of sins, not because of some sort of infused power within us, but instead because of Christ and what he has already accomplished for us by living the life that we could never live, by dying to pay the price that we could never pay, and by rising again in order to secure the victory that we could never secure, so that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. So it leads from not only a different definition of grace, a different definition of justification, sanctification, and even a different definition of the sacraments, at least in terms of their effect on the Christian. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The idea of the sacraments in terms of the effect on the Christian, again, for Catholicism, is primarily this infusing of the grace of God, which, again, is that enabling power that helps you to be able to merit your salvation. And Scripture just simply doesn't know any such category. The sacraments are important, and they are means through which God accomplishes something, but they are a delivery mechanism. They're the means by which God delivers to us personally and individually what Christ already won for us in his objective work, so that in my baptism, God gives to me personally and individually the salvation that Christ won for everyone. 
in my baptism, I am given the forgiveness which Christ merited, not which I merit. In my baptism, I am given those tremendous gifts and the assurance that my sins are forgiven and that I have a gracious God. Again, not because of what I do, not even because of what God does within me, but instead because of what God accomplished in Christ in reconciling the world to himself by his shed blood. Finally, what is the tremendous comfort that is absent from this Roman Catholic teaching that we find in the scriptural teaching when we know that God is kindly disposed toward us, that this grace dwells entirely in his disposition toward us for Christ's sake? Well, we're going to go back right to where we started in the beginning, which is location, location, location. Should you have the opportunity to have time on your deathbed to be able to reflect on your life, you're going to find the same thing that I find, Todd, which is you're going to find maybe some good things you did in life, and you're going to find maybe some really, really bad things that you have done in life. And if your salvation ultimately is tied to your works, even those that have been enabled by the grace of God, you're always going to find a mix, which means you're going to have just as much reason to fear as you would to hope. In fact, you're going to have even more reason to fear because the only works that are going to stand before God in the final judgment, if we want to relate to him on the basis of works, are the the judgment that is sounded forth in the law. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect, as Jesus sums up the law in the Sermon on the Mount, or as God thunders in the law, Leviticus 19, therefore you shall be holy, as I, the Lord your God, am holy. I've fallen short of that, so have you, Todd, so have all of our listeners. As a result of that, then, our hope needs to be rooted and grounded not in us, but outside of us. And once we realize that the reason that God receives us into his mercy and the reason that God forgives our sins is not because of something about me or in me, but instead because of Christ and what he accomplished 2,000 years ago, now my faith has something to grasp onto and my hope has something to cling to, an accomplished reality, a finished work, one which lacks nothing and one which doesn't change. It is a firm bedrock to stand on. In fact, the only firm ground on which to stand, which is why Luther and the other Protestant reformers often referred to this doctrine of justification as the article upon which the church stands or falls. If we get it right, then we have a firm foundation. If we get it wrong, we're in quicksand. Dr. Stephen Parks is Associate Professor of Theology and Philosophy at Concordia University, Irvine, California, Stephen, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure to be with you. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss spiritual warfare with Dr. John Ferguson. We'll get a review of the TV series The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power from Pastor Ted Geese, and we'll respond to your email, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the Issues Etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. Indeed, a firm foundation, because uh, grace that exists outside you and is founded in Christ... Well, Christ is that foundation, the strongest foundation of all. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. 
You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel, more than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. Christ for you in the divine service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 7.45 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamill.org. St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation for the people of God. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.